Welcome back to the Community Online Podcast. This week, we're joined by teaching pastor Tammy Melchin as we continue the series, What We Are Actually Against. Remember, you can always find us on Sundays streaming live at communityonline.tv. We hope to see you there. I'm going to begin today with a difficult story. It's definitely jarring, but it is such a powerful illustration of the problem that we're going to be addressing today. It seems every year I come across one of these stories, and every time it just breaks my heart. This time the headline reads, Mummified body of Italian woman found sitting at a table two years after her death. Marinella Beretta was a 70-year-old woman who lived alone near Lake Como in Italy. The police stumbled upon her remains when they made a house call to warn her that the neglected trees in her garden were in danger of falling over. When questioned, her neighbors said they hadn't seen Marinella since September of 2019. They all just assumed that she had moved away at the start of the pandemic. No one knew she was still there. There was no sign of foul play at the residence. Marinella died just sitting there at her kitchen table alone. The short article that reported on her death ended with these sad lines. The real sadness is not that the others did not notice her death. It is that they did not realize Marinella Beretta was alive. Oh, aren't you all feeling great right now? I mean, that story, it just rips my heart out. It's so sad. And yet it's a story that gets repeated every year. Different people, same isolation. It is so heartbreaking because all of us instinctively know that neither life nor death are supposed to be that way, which is why, as Christ followers, we are against loneliness. We're in week two of our series, What We're Actually Against. In this day and age of outrage, it's not hard to figure out what people are against. Whether in conversations or on social media, people are loudly expressing their opinions. And it's leading to the widespread polarization and division that all of us are feeling. But could it be that we're against the wrong things? As followers of Jesus, what we are against should bring us closer together, not drive us further apart. So during this series, we are discussing what we should actually be against if we are to live into what Jesus is for. And so here's our big idea for today. We are against loneliness because Jesus is for community. My guess is most of us are aware that there is an epidemic of loneliness in our country. A recent study by Harvard found that 36% of Americans report feeling serious loneliness, and another 37% report feeling lonely occasionally. What that means is that it is a fair assumption that at least half of us watching are feeling lonely right now. If you feel that way today, I want you to know that you are not alone. I can relate. I mean, sure, with my role in our church, I'm one of the most visible people at community. But there are times when I feel alone. Loneliness has a, a way of creeping up on us. Even if we're not physically alone, we can feel so isolated from everyone around us. So if you're feeling that way, know that there's nothing wrong with you. The majority of people watching with you right now 
are very familiar with what you're feeling. And some of you are in a season of life where those feelings of loneliness are their most intense. The research has shown that 61% of young adults feel serious loneliness. If you're a young adult that can relate to this, I wish I could just give you a hug right now. You are in a hard season of life. I just want to remind you that your life matters, and we are so glad that you are here. Loneliness is an epidemic in our culture. Most of us know what it's like to struggle with it. But today, I also want us to see loneliness as an opportunity. And here's why. In the middle of this epidemic of loneliness, we have an incredible opportunity to be the church in a way that is desperately needed in our world. We have the opportunity to model a better way. For fighting against loneliness is exactly what the church is designed to do. God's dream for the church is that we would live as a family. In Psalm 68, the psalmist writes, A father to the fatherless, a defender of widows, is God in his holy dwelling. God sets the lonely in families. God sets the lonely in families. The church is meant to be that family. So often when we think of the word family, we think of a nuclear family. You know, mom, dad, 1.9 kids, maybe a, a dog or a cat. Christian culture has often been at the forefront of, of building up the nuclear family as the, the ultimate picture of what it means to be a family. Yet Jesus taught us to broaden our understanding of family. In the book of Matthew, we encounter an interesting story that gives us a glimpse at Jesus' vision of family. Let's take a look how Matthew describes what happened. While Jesus was still talking to the crowd, his mother and brothers stood outside wanting to speak to him. Someone told him, your mother and brothers are standing outside wanting to speak to you. And he replied to them, who is my mother and who are my brothers? Pointing to his disciples, he said, here are my mother and my brothers. For whoever does the will of my father in heaven is my brother and sister and mother. Jesus seemingly dismissing his mother and brothers in this passage would have been even more shocking in his own culture than it is in our own. Respect for one's family was so heavily emphasized in Jesus' day that his words must have struck the people listening quite forcefully. So what is Jesus telling us here? Is he saying biological family doesn't matter? I don't think so. You see, in other passages, we see that Jesus cared deeply about his mother and affirmed the importance of family relationships. Jesus' point here, it's not so much a negative one about his biological family, but a positive one about his disciples. Jesus is telling us that family is so important and so crucial to life in his kingdom that our understanding of it needs to be broadened. It needs to be bigger. It needs to be whole. Theologian Stanley Hauervoss explains it this way. He says, to be a disciple of Jesus is to be made part of a new community in which the family is reconstituted. We are all children 
But now a community has been established in which we are all called to be parents, brothers, and sisters to and for one another. This is Jesus' dream for his church, that we would be parents and brothers and sisters and children to and for one another, that we would live as a family where everyone belonged. And I want to encourage us today that there are ways we are getting this right. I came across an article about a well-known atheist named Sanderson Jones, who decided to visit three churches in London and tweet about his experience. Now, while his experience in these churches didn't change his beliefs about God, what was interesting was how Jones talked about finding the church a welcoming place. He said, I think churches should recognize that they are already doing so much right. He then went on to explain. He talked about being greeted at the front door and invited to grab a cup of coffee. It made me think about our teams of volunteers at our community locations who are always ready to welcome people and help direct them to where they need to go. It made me think of the the host and prayer team members here at Community Online who are always in the chat, ready to greet you and respond to your prayer needs. It made me think about our small groups where people connect with each other and form meaningful friendships. Jones went on to say, it's just the most basic things which you take for granted in church land, which are in fact really powerful. Community is a place where everyone can know and be known, love and be loved. And yet, there are definitely ways we need to grow to more fully live into Jesus' vision for the church to be a family. I mean, let's face it. Some of you who are watching have never made it known that you are here. You may not yet have a meaningful connection with anyone here at your church. Too many of us are still strangers to one another. Now, I know we can't all be best friends, but if we're family, shouldn't we know more about one another than we do? So let's talk about a practice that can help us move toward the vision Jesus has for his church. How can we come to truly care for and live as family with our brothers and sisters in Christ? Well, the practice of hospitality is something that can help us with that. The word translated hospitality in the New Testament literally means love of a stranger. How often do we think about showing love to people we don't know? It's probably not the first thing on our minds. Yet according to the New Testament writers, Christ followers are to be actively engaged in this practice. Paul writes, share with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. Peter seems to think that that some of us might be resistant or grumpy about the practice. None of us, of course. Because Peter adds, offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. One thing I find interesting is that the commands concerning hospitality in the New Testament are almost always found in the context of expressing love to fellow Christ followers. Hospitality, therefore, became one of the most significant practical expressions of love in first century Christianity. The practice of hospitality turned strangers into family. Let's get a little more specific. What exactly are we talking about when we talk about practicing hospitality? Here's how I'd describe it. Hospitality is the practice of opening our eyes, 
our homes, and our lives to one another. Hospitality starts by opening our eyes. It's about becoming aware. Every day we interact with lots of people, but how many of them do we really see? A question we might ask ourselves is this, who do I see that needs a family? I'm gonna get a little vulnerable with you. My coworkers always hate when I tell this story, but I think it helps drive the point home. So I'm okay making them a little uncomfortable. As a single adult who lives far away from family, there have been times when it has been hard not having a family. When I was living in the city of Chicago serving as a community pastor, there were several Easter's in a row when I left the excitement of our Easter services and drove through the Wendy's drive through on my way home to spend the rest of the holiday alone. And it kind of stunk. I mean, here I was, the most visible person in the church community, and I felt so alone. Holidays, they tend to be a time when most families gather together, and that's a good thing. But there are many people who can relate to what I'm saying. Now, don't worry, it's been many years since I've had a Wendy's Easter, so I'm okay. But chances are, there is someone around you who knows this experience all too well. What if we all opened our eyes to notice the elderly widow, or the college student, or the single mom, or the new family? Who do you see that needs a family? Hospitality, it goes beyond surface politeness to genuinely see others. It sometimes means allowing ourselves to be interrupted and inconvenienced. Occasionally, it is silencing our own voice in order to listen to someone else. Hospitality begins with an intentional decision to open our eyes and notice people. Now, hospitality is also about opening our homes. One of the simplest ways to practice hospitality is by inviting someone to your home to share a meal. Sometimes I, I think we make hospitality about having a, a beautiful home and providing a gourmet meal. We make it about entertaining. And I know I can get caught up in this. Let me just admit, my cooking skills are not what you would call impressive. So I can be hesitant to invite people over. But hospitality, it's not about entertaining. It's simply about sharing life, sharing what we have with people who need what we have. One of my friends had a great idea for practicing hospitality that isn't fancy or gourmet. At the time, he was a single guy and he would throw grilled cheese parties. He would open up his home and invite others to come with three things, a unique type of bread, a strange type of cheese, and some kind of topping. And he would fire up the griddle and everyone would get to try their hand at making the best grilled cheese sandwich. Now, it's not a five-course meal, but that's not the point of hospitality. The point is shared life. And that can happen through something as simple as a grilled cheese sandwich. As I was working on this talk, I thought of the, the few times in the last year or so that I've invited families over to my house simply for pizza and games. That's about the level of my cooking skills. Or the times families have invited me over and we've ordered in food. Uh, there was a lot of that happening during the height of the pandemic, right? I mean, those times, for me, they were wonderful. I always left them feeling grateful and filled. 
there is something about gathering in our homes that is so meaningful. I think it's because what most of us need isn't really a meal. It's a place to belong. That's what we offer to one another when we open our homes. Belonging. Ultimately, hospitality is about opening our lives to one another. It's about sharing who we are with one another. It's about getting to know one another beyond a polite handshake and surface smile. To begin to take a genuine interest in one another and eventually to grow in love and and care about one another. To become family. Author Lauren Winner writes, We are not meant simply to invite people into our homes, but also to invite them into our lives. Having guests and visitors, if we do it right, is not an imposition because we are not meant to rearrange our lives for our guests. We are meant to invite our guests to enter into our lives as they are. I recognize that we can't share life with every person watching, but together we need to make sure that every person is experiencing shared life in our community. God's dream for us is that we would be a big, extended family. In the middle of this epidemic of loneliness, we have an incredible opportunity to be the church in a way that is desperately needed in our world. We have the opportunity to model a better way. So here's the challenge I want to leave us with today. And I'm speaking directly to those of you who call Community Online your church home. Too many of us are still strangers to one another, and it's time we change that. I want to challenge you today to take a step towards knowing and being known, loving and being loved. I want to challenge you to take a step towards connection. And so I want to invite you to join us for two community online connection events coming up in the month of June. The first is a community online core gathering on Monday, June 6th. If you call Community Online your church home, we want to get to know you. At this gathering, you'll get to know others in the Community Online family, meet the staff, learn about where we're headed as an online church, and discover ways you can get involved in building and shaping Community Online. So register for the gathering now at communityonline.info. Now, later on in June, on Monday, June 27th, we'll be hosting an online healing prayer night with our prayer team. We want to pray with you and for you for emotional, physical, and spiritual healing. So mark your calendars for that connecting event as well. As you join us for these events, ask God to to open your eyes to see the people He's given you to connect with here at Community. And who knows, you might discover others who live nearby And there might come a time where you could share a meal together in someone's home. And no doubt, as we grow to know one another in a real and meaningful way, our lives will be changed. Imagine with me for a moment what it would be like to log into Community Online on a Sunday morning and recognize the names of the people in the chat because they feel like family. That is Jesus' vision for us as his followers. Jesus' vision is that we would look at one another and see our brother, see our sister, see family. 
And if we truly live out his vision as the family of God, people would take notice. They would see something in us that the world desperately needs. Jesus said, by this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. If we truly love one another, we won't be able to keep people from finding their way back to God for the epidemic of loneliness will be extinguished in this community. As Christ followers, let's be against the right things so that we can be for what Jesus is for. Let's be against loneliness because Jesus is for community. We hope you were encouraged and challenged by today's message. If you'd like to take a next step, head to communitychristian.info. If you'd like prayer, please text the word prayer to 331-226-1686 and a member of our prayer team will reach out to you. To give financially to community, head to givenow.cc. Thanks for listening to the Community Online Podcast.